Ready to go get on the four-wheeler to introduce the teacher. Pick up my glasses and I gotta tell you, uh, it's not any fun. Hey guys, welcome to Potential Church. I'm doing it in vlog format to remind you, if you haven't, you need to subscribe. In one month, we've got 2,000 subscribers, but we're going for five. So if you haven't, go online and subscribe. We're having a lot of fun. It's just kind of a, a behind the scenes, a way for us to get to know each other a little bit better. Now, next week, we're starting a new series. It's mysteries. Can you hear the music playing in the background? And the first week, we're going to talk about the mystery of murder, the murder of a marriage. In other words, who killed the romance? Because so many times, two people who say I do, but then somewhere along the line, the joy, the romance, the mystery is murdered. And who did it? And how do you fix it? That's what we're going to talk about. So I hope you'll come. I hope you'll bring somebody with you because we're all either in a relationship, coming out of a relationship, or going into some kind of relationship. And what we're going to talk about will apply to all those things. Now, this weekend, you picked a great weekend to be here because this weekend, Pastor Tyler is going to finish up our series. And Steph and I, as his parents, have had the unique opportunity to see him live out all the principles that he teaches. So they're not just words that he's seen somewhere in the Bible. They're actually principles that he's applied to his life. And we see it in his life and now his marriage to Amber and hopefully grandkids sometime in the near future. Did you hear that, Tyler? So when he comes out, encourage him. Let him know that it's great to see young people take a stand and live out the principles to prove that God is exactly said he was. Again, we're so glad that you're here. If you're a guest, we're honored to have you. All right, church, how you doing? He threw out the grandkids card. You know, it's funny, my wife and I, we're actually uh, taking some, some vacation time at the end of the month, and we uh, are actually heading to Paris. And we said when we got married that the one thing we wanted to do before we had children is to travel to Europe. So, who knows what could happen this year, right? <laughs> Listen, I'm so excited that you have joined us this very special weekend. And how are you? Are you good? Are you blessed and highly caffeinated? Because I am. And that means we're going to have a great weekend. And I want to give a shout out to all of our campuses that are watching on the other side of that camera. You know, it's not just us here at the Cooper City campus, but we have uh, over in Hallandale, they have service on Saturday night and on Sunday. And we've got our campus in Pensacola that's watching from the other side of that camera, our campus down in the Bahamas. I'm sure you guys have been at the beach, all right, but are going to the beach after service, all right. We're us here, we're like, we're... We're jealous of that because the past few days haven't really been beach days, but we love you guys. We've got two campuses in, in Lima, uh, or in Peru, one in Lima, one in Barranco. So thanks, guys, for joining us. And it has already been an incredible start to 2017. We uh, had our Viva Women's Night last night, and God showed up in a powerful way. We had over a th well over 1,000 women that showed up at all of our campuses and over 1,000 women that showed up here. And uh, one special lady went home with a Michael Kors smartwatch. 
and all, yes, I know, all the other ladies were jealous. And uh, Pastor Steph brought an incredible word. I actually asked her if I could just borrow her notes and teach it this weekend. But she said no. So here we are. So if you got your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 6. We're going to jump right in this evening. Acts chapter 6. And, you know, the past couple of weeks we've been in this series of talks, They Changed the World. And Pastor Brian spoke last weekend on Peter the Disciple. And this, this uh, weekend, I want to uh, talk to you about this guy named Stephen. He's who we're going to read about. And, and Stephen wasn't one of the original 12 disciples that Jesus hand-selected uh, while he was doing his ministry. Stephen actually stepped into a prominent leadership role after Jesus died on the cross and resurrected and ascended back up into heaven. And so the gospel was spreading and the disciples realized, okay, you know what? We need more than just the 12 of us because the gospel is spreading and it's expanding and, and we're starting churches. And so the, Stephen was one of those that was selected to help facilitate uh, the ministry that was taking place. And Stephen is well known as the first martyr. He's the first one that we know of to die for the cause of Christ. And he's described in the word of God, actually when he's introduced, he's described as a man of great faith. And I think that there's so much that we can learn from his story. So in Acts chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 8. It says, Stephen continually overflowed with extraordinary grace and power. And he was able to perform a number of miraculous signs and wonders in public view. But eventually a group arose to oppose Stephen and the message to which his signs and wonders pointed. And then in verse 10, it says, The Holy Spirit gave Stephen such wisdom in responding to their arguments that they were humiliated. Verse 11, In retaliation they spread a vicious rumor. We heard Stephen speak blasphemies against Moses and God. Their rumor prompted an uprising that included common people, religious officials, and scholars. They surprised Stephen, grabbed him, and hauled him before the council. And they convinced some witnesses to give false testimony. And then it says that once the false testimonies were given, it says in verse 15, the entire council turned its gaze on Stephen to see how he would respond. They were shocked to see his face radiant with peace. And if you're taking notes, why don't you just underline that phrase, radiant with peace, as if he were a heavenly messenger. And then in the New Living Translation, it says, at this point, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen because his face became as bright as an angel's. You see, Stephen, while before the council, being attacked and being criticized and being accused, he actually possessed a radiant peace in a very desperate situation. And so I've titled this message, It Has to Go In Before It Comes Out. Will you bow your heads with me? God, I thank you so much for the time that we have together this weekend. And Father, I just pray that in these next few moments, that this word would come alive in our hearts. Father, I pray that, that your word would go out and it would comfort those who need comfort, God, that it would heal those who need healing, God, that it would bring conviction for those of us who need conviction, Father. Father, I pray that in these next few moments, every heart be open, God. Remove every distraction. I don't know what it is we walked in here with, God. I know that there are many of us who came in here carrying heavy burdens, but you tell us in your word to come to you, those of us who need rest. 
And so, Father, I pray that in this moment, every heart be open to receive the words that bring healing, the words that bring restoration. And we commit this moment to you, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Come on, give God just a shout of praise one more time. Because he is good, yes. Well, I have a, a funny story to tell you guys. And, you know, my wife and I, we don't have children yet. And so, um, but we do have a puppy, which is pretty much the same thing, right? I mean, you got to clean them and, you know, you, you got to pick up their poop. So pretty much the same thing. So I want to share with you, if you'll allow me, a, a funny story about our puppy. He's 10 months old. All right. He's growing up. Uh, his name's Saint. And uh, it's a funny story that actually took place this morning. As I was preparing for my message, I was up early, I was studying and praying and preparing, and my wife, she was, we have a little library next to our, our living room, a little reading nook, and so she was in there and she was reading, and, uh, and Saint was, you know, just kind of about playing as he does, and uh, I decided to take a break, and when I walk into the reading nook, I see that Saint has taken his favorite toy. Actually, how do you really know if it's a dog's favorite toy? I'm just assuming it is. Uh, we got it for him for Christmas, and he had proceeded to rip it up and pull all the stuffing out and spread it all across, not just the reading nook, but all over the living room. And I kind of just walk in, and I'm like, how does so much stuffing come out of one toy? And, and I said, oh, babe, were you, were you not watching? I said, Saint, what did you do? I said, this, this is a mess. This is not just a little mess. This is a huge mess. Why would you do something like that? And he just looks up at me with those puppy dog eyes. And then he turns around and looks to Amber as if he's saying, like, okay, I don't understand what's happening. Mom, can you translate? Is dad mad at me? Am I in trouble? Am I about to get spanked? And, and, and so I kind of, I'm like, oh, now we got to clean this up. I don't want to clean it up. I'm busy. I'm tired. I don't want to do this. And, and Amber just kind of looks at me, and she's like, what's the problem? It's like you're freaking out over some, some, some cotton that is pulled all over, you know, the living room. And I'm like, okay, you know what? You're right. And, and, you know, sometimes I think when it comes to peace, we have to learn to pick and choose our battles, right? And so in that moment, I was like, all right, you know what? I can, I'm just going to ignore this. I, you know what? We're just going to leave it here. Leave, leave the mess. I'm going to go back to, to preparing for my teaching. And, and I think in life it's like that. we got to learn to pick and choose our battles because we always can't control what goes on around us, but we always have a choice of what goes on within us. And, you know, when we look to the life of, of Stephen, it says that he was taken before the council and he was criticized. He was under harsh criticism, saying that he was blaspheming God. And, and when all this was taking place, it says that he maintained a radiant peace. You know, peace is a characteristic that is crucial for you and I to possess if we're going to influence our world. Because I'm convinced that we live in a world that doesn't know where to find peace. And see, many people search for peace not sure where to find it. They look for it maybe in a person, a marriage, a relationship, a friendship. Some people look for peace in their career. Maybe others look for peace in their accomplishments. But whatever, regardless of the circumstances, many people search externally for peace. But see, I think Stephen reminds us that radiant peace has nothing to do with what's going on around us and everything to do with what's going on within us. 
See, peace cannot be possessed externally. It's something that is manifested internally. And when we look at the life of Stephen, even though he's, he's on trial and in the most horrific of circumstances, it says that he still had peace. Because, see, his faith wasn't in other people. His faith wasn't in his situation. And his faith wasn't in his accomplishments. And, you know, one thing I've learned this year, that if the enemy is going to come after your peace and try and rob you of your peace, he will do it by trying to convince you that peace is found in what it is that you accomplish. But no, Stephen's peace wasn't in any of that. His peace was in God and in God alone. And you know, it's, it's that peace, that peace that comes from God, that peace that is put in God and God alone. It's that peace that, that actually brings about great joy. And, you know, I, I believe that peace is actually crafted in the difficult and challenging seasons of life. Because you know what? It's easy to have peace when life is great. But see, true peace, peace that sustains us through the fire, through the storm, through every situation and circumstance, is actually crafted in the challenging seasons of life. And, you know, the enemy has many different methods to attempt to rob us of our peace. You know, I love what John 14, verses 26 through 27 says. This is the New International Version. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You know, fear will always keep the peace that Christ, Jesus Christ died for just out of reach. As a matter of fact, I think that most of the time it's what we fear the most is what we trust God with the least. And so Jesus says, he says, do do not be afraid. Do not let your hearts be dismayed. Do not let your hearts be troubled. For my peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. And the peace that Jesus Christ offers to us is unlike anything that the world can offer us. Because the peace that Jesus Christ offers to us is a peace that sustains us in every single circumstance and situation. See, that's why it's important before we make any major decision in our lives not to look just to the facts but to look for peace that comes from God. And I believe that in any season, maybe you're in that season today where you have a major life decision, maybe to move to that city or start that new job or to, to start that relationship or is that person the one. Before any major life decision, we should always come before God and pray, God, if this is your will, if this is the opportunity you want me to take, God, give me peace. And I believe that that's one of the ways that God communicates with us. I believe that's one of the ways that God puts us on the right path. He gives us a peace. And it may be a peace that everyone around you may not understand. It may be a peace that the world doesn't understand. But God will give us a sense of peace. Because that's the peace that will sustain us in those challenging times. Because, you know, you can be in the center of God's will for your life and still experience great difficulties. You know, sometimes the will of God uh, is kind of like a hurricane. It's right in the center where it feels like all hell is breaking loose. But listen, when you have that peace that comes from God, then you can stand in that storm. And when the enemy tries to convince you that you made the wrong decision, moving to that city or starting that job or starting that relationship or whatever it may be, you can stand confidently knowing, no, no, that's not the truth because God already gave me a peace. And God may not give me a new peace, but I'm fine with that because he already gave me peace about the decision that I made. 
And so peace is important. It's important in our life decisions. You know, I love what Philippians uh, 4, 6 through 7 says. Do not be anxious about anything. Come on, that's good news. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Listen, can I just tell you how incredible the peace of God is? You know, there's been several occasions in my life where I've felt this peace that transcends all understanding. You know, one, one time was, was back several years ago, and it was when I was, uh, I was in school. I was taking classes, and, and I, I, at that time was going through some personal struggles, was dealing with some anxiety that I had in my life. And I remember sitting in, one of, uh, sitting in a physics class. And I just had this overwhelming anxiety in my heart. I mean, my, my heart was racing. My palms were sweating. I nearly had tears rolling down my face. I was kind of isolated, tried to isolate myself from everyone. Have you ever been in that situation where you just feel overwhelmed by anxiety and, and you can't always put your finger on it? Well, I was there, and I remember in that moment, I, I, I hadn't slept, and I couldn't eat, and I was weak, and I remember crying out and saying, God, I need that kind of peace right now. I can't go on the rest of the day like this. I can't go on the rest of the month like this. God, I need you right now to invade this situation and give me peace. And can I tell you, the moment that I finished that prayer, that anxiety broke. See, that's what the peace of God does. It surpasses all understanding. We can't put our finger on it. We can't explain it. But when we experience it, it doesn't matter what is going on around us because God has put something in us. And that's what peace is all about. It's not about what's going on around us. It's about what God's already put in us. And listen, if God's given you peace about the decision that you're making, then listen, all hell can break loose around you, but it doesn't alter or change what God's already spoken over you. You know, Psalm... 4.8, it says, in peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. You know, this past week, I, um, you know, 2016 was an incredible year uh, for, for myself, for my family, for this church. But 2016 also came with its own set of battles and great, great challenges and difficulties. And as we kind of step into 2017, you know, I, I'm, I'm setting those goals. I'm, 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 you know, setting the dreams and what I want to accomplish this year, what I want to see God do this year, how I want to see him move. And in this past week, it was a busy week preparing for my message, was, you know, uh, planning for the future. This week was also my anniversary. Two years strong, people. Two years strong. And uh, our anniversary was actually on Thursday, and it was Wednesday night. And it's been a busy week, and I, I hadn't been able to prepare, uh, you know, for my message as much as I had, would have liked to at that point. Um, but on Wednesday night, my wife, she wanted to re-watch all of the wedding highlight videos. And here's the thing. <laughs> I snapped. It was so funny. We were sitting there, and we're Snapchatting. And we finally realized that we're not actually enjoying this video for one another. We just, we want to Snapchat everything so everybody can see. And uh, it's just funny looking back and, and all of that. But um, one of the videos was, it, one of the highlight videos was an hour long. We had a professional videographer there. We had um, uh, Amber's maid of honor. She was holding the GoPro. So there's like multiple videos. It's not just one highlight video. There's multiple highlight videos. And of course, I am not going to upset my wife and say no. I have to prepare for a message. So I just mustered up all the strength and was like, yes, let's do that. That will be awesome. Let's relive it. Yeah. 
yes. So we sit on the couch, and, you know, we're watching on her computer and, you know, uh, just uh, watching, and then, you know, it ends, and it's about 11 o'clock, and I'm like, all right, you know, now <laughs> time to get started on my message. And so I, uh, I go, and I'm working on my message, and I'm just uh, putting it all on paper, getting all my ideas out, and then I start doing some calendar planning. Listen, don't ever do any calendar planning before you go to bed. Don't ever do it. All right, I'm convinced it's a sin. All of a sudden, I look down at my computer. It's 3 a.m., and I have a meeting the next morning, 9 a.m., and so I'm thinking, like, oh, okay, I better go to bed. And I close my computer, and I shut all the lights off, go upstairs, lay down. And all of a sudden, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, May is right around the corner. What are we going to do? Because I had done all that calendar planning all the way up through May. So now my head's in May, and it's on my message, and I can't sleep. And I, 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 I was actually filled with anxiety, and I remember God quickened that verse to my heart. Psalm 4:8. I will lie down and sleep. I will rest because I dwell in the safety of my God. And can I tell you, in that moment, I just felt God whisper to me these words. Do you really believe that what you sow in the day, I can grow in the night? Do you really believe that? Do you, do you really believe those words? And, and then I felt God just whisper to me, just relax, go to sleep, rest, everything's going to be okay. See, when we are so filled with anxiety and, and worries and, and we can't get to sleep at night or we think that maybe we don't have time to rest because there's just too much to do, too much to accomplish, it's because we forget that God has the power to grow in the night what we sow in the day. So God says, listen, don't worry. Don't be filled with anxiety. Don't worry about all the what ifs of life because know this today that when you call upon your heavenly Father, that is when the tide of battle turns in our favor and that is our peace. That no matter what we're facing today, listen, we can go to sleep sound knowing that our God is already in our future. He's the God that goes before us, with us, and behind us. So he's got our back. So we need, we need that peace. we got to trust in God. You know, radiant peace, it doesn't react, it responds. It doesn't react, it responds. And, you know, when we look at Acts chapter 6, verse 15, looking back at it, it says, The entire council turned its gaze on Stephen to see how he would respond when he was on trial, when he was being criticized. And it says, They were shocked to see his face radiant with peace as if you were a heavenly messenger. So the entire council turns their attention towards Stephen. To see how he would respond to the criticism and to the attacks. You know, I can't help but wonder if sometimes God allows us to go through the battle and through the storm. Not just to see how we'll respond, but to see what our response will ignite in others. You're here today and you say, you know what, I, I, I feel like I have been following the right path. I feel like I've been in the center of God's will for my life. I feel like I am full of faith and I still feel like, like I'm not where I should be. I'm not seeing my circumstance or my situation change. And I just want to encourage you that maybe God is giving you that battle because he already knows that you have the faith to handle it. But maybe he wants to use you. So that other people who are fighting a battle have someone to turn their attention towards. And to be inspired by in faith. Maybe that's what it is. And listen, that's an encouragement to me. That means that God is using you. That means God is preparing a platform for you. That he is building influence for you. It means that whatever you're faced with today, God knows you're going to get on the other side of that. So you can be encouraged that this is not the end. This is just a temporary season. 
You know, I posted on social media back several months ago this quote, and it wasn't a quote that I came up with, but I came across. It says that people will remember how we walk through the fire, so walk well. See, when we walk through a fire, we all have a decision whether we're going to react or we're going to respond. And, you know, I I think about it this way. I am so thankful that when a tragedy or crisis occurs, it's not the first reactors that come up on the scene. It's the, what, the first responders. That's what we call them. Because, see, there's a difference there. I'll be honest. I don't want my life in the hands of a first reactor. That just doesn't sound like a good situation. Like, uh, but a first responder, there's, there's a difference there. See, reaction is based off our emotions, but response is based on our faith. It's when we choose to stand on our faith and not our emotions. And you know, every situation that happens to us in life will elicit a decision for you and I to make. And every decision we make has consequences. And oftentimes those consequences don't just affect us, but they affect those surrounding us. You know, back a few years ago when I was in college, actually it was my first semester in college. And, you you know, your first semester you're like, yes, like I'm in college, I'm out of high school, this is going to be awesome. Like this is, you know, I'm jump-starting, you know, the pathway to my career and my destiny. And one of the classes that I had to take, you know, in your first semester, it's, you know, it's not really classes in your major. It's, you know, all the, it's the math, it's the writing, all of that. And, And I got placed in an intermediate algebra, college algebra, intermediate college algebra class. And I was nervous because math, you need to know this, is not my strong suit. I mean, even like I can, like long division even is like, why? You know what I mean? Why do we really need to learn those things when there's a calculator? And, and I still, I would like to know who the idiot who decided it was a good idea to put the alphabet in mathematical equations to solve the function of X, Y, and Z. It's like, who cares? You know, when am I going to use that in real life? And so I'm in this intermediate algebra class. And. And I'm already, I'm not doing good in this class. Because, you know, in high school, uh, I could kind of just fake my way through it with the homework assignments. Because, you know, in high school, it's like, oh, you get an A for effort. Don't you wish life was like that sometimes? A for effort. You know, I do the homework assignments. Every, you know, equation would be wrong. But it's okay. I'd still get the credit for it. And then, you know, on the test, I would just, you know, politely ask the girl next to me, um, who was brilliant, if she could help me out a little bit. But uh, that didn't fly in college. And I remember I was working on these homework assignments. I'm already failing the class. And there was this one, excuse me, problem that I was stuck on. And it was, it was one of those online math programs. And it was challenging. It was like 50 questions, you know, that were due next week. And you couldn't move on until you got the right question, until you got the right answer to the question. And I remember I was trying this same equation like 20 times, and I could not get the right answer. I even plugged it into Google to see if Google would give me the answer, and Google let me down. And so you know what I did? I had a mechanical pencil in my hand, and I just, I did this. I go, ah! and I stabbed my computer screen with my mechanical pencil. I kid you not, I couldn't make this up. I just lost it. And I, I decided to take it out on my computer, just took it and stabbed it right in the middle of that equation. And it felt awesome for about two seconds. And then I dropped the, the pencil and I realized that I had made a, a, a crack and now there's this black dot in the center of my screen. I thought, ooh, that's, that's probably not very good, but, you know, whatever, I'm not, not going to say anything. Let's just move on. Well, over the next week, that crack had begun to spread out. And now there was what started as a small black circle was now this huge black blob in the middle of my screen. The crack had spread out and, you know, uh, then, you know, of course, I got to go to Apple and explain what happened. And I did what any good, you know, a Christ follower would do. I lied. 
and said that I dropped it because I didn't want him to think that I was crazy. I mean, what crazy person stabs their computer with their pencil? And so I'm just saying that the decisions we make, whether we choose to react to a situation or respond, has rippling effects that don't just affect the present, but they affect the future. They don't just affect this generation, but they affect the next generation as well. And see, when we look at the life of Stephen, when it came time for him to either react or respond to their criticism, we find that he didn't react, but he responded. He had radiant peace. He was radiating this peace of God. And when we have the peace of God in our hearts, you know what? It shouldn't be easily shaken. It really shouldn't. It should be able to withstand some pressure because remember, just because circumstances are changing around us, it doesn't change what God has already put in us. And if God's given us peace, then we can maintain that peace through every single season. And listen, if God has given you peace about that situation, don't you dare let the enemy try and manipulate the peace inside of you by disrupting the things that are going on around you. Choose to respond. And you know what, it, and response, sometimes it takes time. Don't ever feel the pressure. If, if someone's trying to put pressure on you to make a decision right there in that moment, you know what, sometimes it's okay to say, you know what, I need to pray about that. I can't give you that answer right now. I got to think about that more. You know, the enemy, one of the ways he can for sure rob our peace quicker than anything else is by trying to get us to be people pleasers. And listen, you can't please everybody. You can't please everybody, so there's no sense in trying. Choose to respond, not to react to a situation, but to respond to what's going on around you. Radiant peace also, it holds up, not against. Radiant peace holds up, not against. And if we continue the story, if we move into Acts chapter 7, we'll see that, excuse me, that Stephen, uh, his response to the council, he, 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 he really started sharing about, you know, the faith of Abraham and the faith of, the faith of Moses, the faith of Joseph. And, and then he kind of gets into this section where he starts criticizing them, telling them, you know what, you've physically made yourself look like Jews by being circumcised. But your hearts and your ears need to be circumcised as well. And, and so he kind of elicits uh, an, a frustrated response from the council. And it says that in Acts 7... 54 through 55, it says, upon hearing this, his audience could contain themselves no longer. They boiled in fury at Stephen. They clenched their jaws and ground their teeth. But Stephen was filled with the Holy Spirit. Gazing upward into heaven, he saw something they couldn't see. The glory of God and Jesus standing at his right hand. In verses 57 to 60, it says, and then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. His last words, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. Can I tell you? If I had been dragged out into the city and people were throwing large stones at me, I don't think that would be my response. I think it would be the exact opposite, right? But it says that even in that moment where Stephen knew that he was going to die for the cause of Christ, still, even then, had peace. And he mustered up the strength to actually forgive his accusers. To say, you know what, God, don't, don't hold this against them. Don't charge them with this sin. 
You know, unforgiveness and bitterness will always keep us from the peace in which Jesus Christ died. I love what, what Ephesians 4.26 says. This is the message. It says, go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry, but don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. Ouch. Now, I don't know about you, but that's convicting. Do not use your anger as fuel for revenge. And don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. See, when, when you and I, when we choose to move past the past, when we let go of past hurt, when we don't allow our, or if, or if we don't allow our anger to cause us to be vengeful, can I tell you that that is what allows us to continue to have peace. See, it's when we use our anger as fuel for revenge that we no longer can have peace. Because it says that the, the devil now has a foothold in our life. And whatever we don't protect and guard, the enemy will invade. And all he needs is an opportunity. Just one opportunity. And you know, if we're consumed with holding things against one another instead of holding up one another, then not only do we no longer have peace in our hearts, but we can't create peace. We can't create a sense of peace in our families or in our workplace. Because if it's not in us, it can't pour out of us. And you know, forgiveness, it doesn't mean that, that we put ourselves back in the same situation. Hear me. Forgiveness is not going back to the abuse. It's not going back to the abuser. It's not uh, allowing yourself to be used. See, forgiveness simply means that that person no longer owes us anything. We're letting it go and we're moving forward. You know, there's a great, a great quote when it comes to unforgiveness. I came across it. Unforgiveness is like taking a poison but expecting someone else to die. Another quote says, unforgiveness is choosing to stay trapped in a jail cell of bitterness, serving time for someone else's crime. And listen, I just want to encourage you today. Do not spend your life in a jail cell serving time for a crime that you didn't commit, for a crime that somebody else committed against you. Listen, choose to forgive, choose to love anyway, choose to, even those who are your enemies. The Word of God says pray for your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Listen, when we lift them up, it, it provides peace in our hearts. When we choose to forgive, when we choose not to remain bitter. And you know, how can you and I as Christ followers preach a message of forgiveness? That there would be a God in heaven that would be so willing and not just willing but eager to forgive our sins. How could we ever preach a message of forgiveness if we ourselves are not willing to offer up that same forgiveness? Listen, real peace, true peace that comes from God, it does not hold against. It holds up. It lifts others up. It says, listen, even though you are not deserving of my forgiveness, I'm going to give you my forgiveness because it's not worth my life. It's not worth my peace. And so I want to encourage anybody in the house today that maybe you're wrestling with that. Listen, it's a process. And listen, I'm not saying that once you forgive somebody, it all of a sudden becomes easy. Sometimes you have to remind yourself every day that you've forgiven them. But it's the first step into saying, you know what, I want to experience true peace. And this frustration, this bitterness that I'm hanging on to, you know, sometimes we just have to let go of the why. So many times in life we will never understand why. Listen, if I understood why people do half the things they do, I could probably be a billionaire off of it. Right? We will never understand why people choose to do the things they do. But we can choose to say, you know what, I'm letting go of the why. I'm letting go of the why. I'm letting go of the past. I'm not going to dwell on that any longer. I'm going to move forward.
You know, where I want to land us tonight, I mentioned it a few moments ago. If peace is not in us, it cannot pour out of us. Because what's not in us can't pour out of us. You know, in Acts chapter 7, verse 51, it says, You stubborn, stiff-necked people. This is Stephen responding to the council that was accusing and attacking him. He says, You stubborn, stiff-necked people. Sure, you are physically Jews, but you are no different from outsiders in your hearts and ears. You are just like your ancestors, constantly fighting against the Holy Spirit. See, Stephen's affirming that even though they've made themselves look like Jews through the act of circumcision, that their hearts need a circumcision as well. And even though that they've followed ritual and tradition, they've not allowed themselves to truly be transformed by the power of Christ. They've not allowed their hearts to be transformed by the power of Christ. And we know that in Proverbs 4.23, it says, guard your heart above all else, for everything you do flows from it. So they might have cut away physically what they need to in order to be religious, but they've not cut away what they need to in order for their hearts to be transformed. And so I want to ask you this question. What is it that God needs to cut away in your life in order for you to have peace? Is it unforgiveness? Is it an unhealthy relationship or friendship? Is it maybe just the path of disobedience? You've taken opportunities that God has not given you a peace about. Maybe you're in a situation where God has not given you a peace about it. Maybe you're just following the wrong path. But what is it in your life that you need to allow God to cut away, to allow your heart to be transformed so that peace can be in you? And then if peace is in you, then peace can pour out of you. And can I tell you, that is the kind of peace that our world needs. Listen, I'm convinced that we are not going to find peace the way the world is seeking peace. Because listen, wars are going to happen. Violence is going to exist. But the peace, even though it may not fully exist in our world, peace can exist in you and I. Listen, that's why we gather here. That's why we build this house, this family that we call Potential Church. Because the world needs to see what true peace looks like. There are those out there. And they need to see those of us who carry Christ in our hearts. They need to know that our Christ is their Christ. And the same blood that was shed for our sins is the same blood that was shed for their sins. They need to see that peace in us so that when we step into any circumstance or situation, they automatically say, well, there's something different about you. Why aren't you freaking out? Why aren't you losing your head? We can say, well, listen, I don't have to freak out because the God that I serve, he's already gone before me. He's with me. He's gone behind me. I have nothing to fear. I have nothing to worry about. I am in perfect peace. Amen. And when we have peace, can I tell you, then our families have peace. And the people that, that we have influence over have peace. Talk about fulfilling the mission of Potential Church, partnering with people to reach their God potential so that we can impact the world for good, so that we can influence the world for good. Listen, one person may not be able to change the entire world, but one person can start by changing their world. And as they change their world and their circle of influence, then you know what? That's when... That's when we stand in that gap of faith. And so when the rest of the world seems to be falling apart, we are committed to the peace that is found in laying it all down for the sake of accomplishing the mission. So listen, will you be committed to possessing peace? Don't allow the enemy to rob from you any longer what Jesus Christ died for. He died over 2,000 years ago so that you could live and walk in confidence and peace. 
And listen, the church needs you. The church needs us. We all have a role to play. And so I, I encourage us, I challenge us. Listen, let's walk in peace. Let's, let's start 2017 in that perfect peace, that peace that transcends all understanding. Will you bow your heads with me? I just want to pray for, for anyone in the house that's struggling with this area and you just feel like you are in torment and you just feel like maybe God has abandoned you or, or there's no way that, <coughs> that you could ever experience the kind of peace that I'm talking about. And I just want to pray for you right now and I want to encourage you. Listen, that is a lie from the enemy. He wants to keep you down. Because if he can keep you down, you will never step into your God-given potential, your God-given destiny. And so right now, listen, right where you're at, you can make that commitment. You know what? No, I am going to have peace in my heart. I'm going to have peace. Because I know that there are others looking to me for the answers. And I know that God has my back. I know that God is making things work together in my favor. I know that even though I may not see him working in my circumstance, that he's working behind the scenes. And so, Father, we come before you today. God, I just, I stand on behalf of those who are wrestling in this area. God, I pray that you would give us peace, a peace that surpasses all understanding. Right now in this moment, God, just send your spirit to just grace us with that peace. May peace fall on every single one of us. May it touch every single one of us, God. We just cast out that fear. We cast out that, that spirit of anxiety. We cast out that spirit of worry, Father. God, we're declaring that we're going to go home and we're going to lay our heads down and we're going to sleep. Maybe some of us, we haven't gotten good, solid rest in months. God, we're declaring that today is the day that you break those chains in our lives. You're going to restore peace right now. And Father, we thank you for that. We thank you that you sent your one and only son to die on a cross for our sins so that we could experience that peace. Be with us as we leave here today, God. Whatever the enemy tries to put into our path, however he attempts to discourage us, God, I pray that you would remind us of this moment. That you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for that peace. So we don't have to take on anger or bitterness or unforgiveness or anxiety or worry any longer. We love you, Jesus. We thank you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Isn't God good? Come on, give him a hand.